right? So we thank God for giving us this opportunity. Now, we have had a number of lessons for a while, okay, um, on a variety of different subjects. In fact, uh, one subject that is coming up, um, I thought I was going to be able to do it today, but uh, the Lord has not given me permission for that one yet. We're still working that on that one, that one will be covering the Holy Ghost and understanding the, the Holy Ghost and understanding um, the gift of tongues and what all of that means. You know, there's a lot of people that get offended when they uh, when they are confronted with the message um, that uh, when you are saved, you will speak in other tongues. So there's a lot of confusion around that. And a lot of that is because people misrepresent and they actually don't explain it right. But we're going to take the blinders off of all of that um, in an upcoming lesson. So be in prayer about that. God willing, we'll get that um, recorded and available to, to whosoever will uh, pretty soon. Um, we finished a lesson on uh, accountability. That's another lesson series that is coming up that will be made available to you all um, um, in, the near, uh, in the near future. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. But prior to that, we began uh, a journey uh, in the book of Psalms, chapter 27. I'd like you to go ahead and turn to that. Um, and we're gonna start at verse number uh, one, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing, have I desire that will I seek after that I might that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me he shall set me upon a rock and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Uh, and we're going to add two more scriptures to that today. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice have mercy upon me and answer me when thou saidest seek my face my heart said unto thee thy face lord will i seek amen actually let's add one more let's add verse number nine to that hide not thy face far from me put not thy servant away in anger thou hast been my help Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. May God have a blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his word, uh, as always. And we thank God uh, for um, us being able to step into the word and be able to dig into the word and really kind of see what God has um, for us. Amen. And we are picking up. Um, this subject or this narrative in Psalms 27, 
Okay. The last scripture we actually talked about when we visited this series was actually verse number six. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in the tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Okay. Now this, um, the lesson on that has been recorded. Okay. Um, the title of that is, uh, um, God's mercy when we cry. Okay. And that one is in particular, you can look at, um, there are two lessons that are already, um, on that are have already been recorded for that. So if you go to the podcast, you'll probably, um, you should be able to see those, or if you're listening to them on zoom, if you still have the link, the link should still work, um, for those. So you can kind of review, we're picking this back up um, in the book of Psalms 27. We learned a lot about the book of Psalms. We learned about um, the purpose of the Psalms. We learned about um, what God was, uh, his desire for us when it comes to the Psalms, what they were um, to be used for and how they were to be used. We covered a lot of information as we um, just covered the book of Psalms. But when we moved into chapter 27 of Psalms, we learned um, quite a bit about what David was saying in this, in this really wonderful Psalm. Psalms 27 is probably one of my favorite Psalms um, just to, to listen to of all time, really. I love listening to all of the word of God, but there is something special about Psalms 27 to me because it really just um, brings out a, um, a, a personal um, prayer of mine. And, 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 and so whenever I have access to it, I just love to love to hear the uh, Psalms 27, whether it's being preached on or sung about, it really doesn't, it really doesn't matter. Verse six implies that David's head um, at this point was bowed down. He said, and now shall mine head be lifted up. Okay. That implies if he's telling us that it's going to be lifted up, then uh, by default, what he's revealing is, is that his head was not lifted up at first. Okay. And these are some of the things that uh, we talked about. And so I'll be bringing you up to speed. So just kind of bear with it. But, but verse six implies that David's uh, head at this point was bowed down. And we talked about in previous lessons, what bowing actually represented, okay? And we learned that bowing in scripture has a variety of significance, okay? So you can't take bowing and just throw that in a box somewhere and figure that all bowing means the same thing. No, it does not. It does not all mean the same thing. We learned that bowing can be uh, an expression of submission and humility. Okay. And you will see that in Genesis chapter 42, verse six. Okay. You will see it again in second Samuel, um, the um, chapter one, verse number two. Amen. You'll also see it again in Psalms 72 verse number nine. Amen. Amen. You'll, it, 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 and, and in those Psalms, what you'll see, or in those scriptures, um, what you'll see is, is, is that the expression of bowing um, is a sign of submission or humility. We also learned that bowing was also an expression of sorrow. So not only submission, not only humility, but bowing in scripture was also a sign of sorrow. You can see that in Psalms 35 and 14. You can see it in Psalms 145 and verse 14. Okay. And I invite you also to look at Psalms 38 and 6, Psalms 57 and 6. 
Psalms 146 and 8. And of course, Lamentations chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 10. In all of those scriptures, you can look at all of them or you can look at just a few of them. But in all of those scriptures, you'll find bowing representing a state of sorrow, okay? It can also be a sign of shame, okay? So these are things that, 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 you, that, that bowing represents in scripture or can represent. So when you are in a scripture and you are um, seeing some bowing taking place, okay, it is good to make sure that you take note of the context of what is going on, because depending on the circumstance, the bowing means or may mean something different. And that's a good thing to know why, because it will help your help you gather the correct understanding about what is happening or the context um, of what's happening within the scripture. And that's very important. David, we do want to point out, okay, verse number six, and now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore, will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. What a beautiful statement. David is not saying in this scripture, though, that he will lift up his own head. That's not what he's telling you, okay? No, he's not saying that he will lift up his own head, okay? David is also not saying that he was given the power to just lift up his own head. That's not what he's saying. He said, now shall my head be lifted up, okay? The focus is not on what David is able to do, family. It's not on what he's able to accomplish. It's not what he, on what he's able to get done for himself. Okay. It's not on, that's not the focus. Okay. It's also not the focus on what he has been given or granted power or the ability to do for himself. No, that is not what it is. Verse number six in Psalms 27, the focus is on what God almighty and him only can do. Do you understand? Now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. He's not saying that he's going to do it, but he's saying it's going to be lifted up. What he's talking about, it's going to be lifted up because of God almighty. Amen. Why is his head going to be lifted up? Well, the answer to that is actually in the previous verse, verse number five. Okay. For in the time of trouble shall he hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. That phrase right there, he shall set me upon a rock, is why David's head would be lifted above the enemy. It would be lifted because God was going to elevate his position. Do you hear what I'm saying? He didn't, David's posture didn't change. My head was bowed. Okay. It, he didn't say I'm lifting up my head. No, he said his head would be lifted up, um, implying that the lifting of his head was not going to be done by himself. It was going to be done extra. It's going to be done by somebody else. And that somebody else is God almighty. The enemy is around David or may be around David, 
But as soon as God took David and set him on a rock, the rock the Bible teaches us, who is Christ, is higher than we are. I hope you understand that. Follow along with that. The rock is higher than everything else. So anyone placed on the rock is placed on a at an elevation that is higher than everything else around. So that means that technically I can keep my head bowed down, but if God elevates me above those who are surround me, my posture might stay the same or will stay the same, that of being bowed, that of being submitted, that of being humble. You hear what I'm telling you. But because I am on the rock, I have been elevated and I am now at a higher position. So I can say, like David said, and now shall my head be lifted above my enemies. David is surrounded by enemies, but God takes David and puts him in an elevated position. He didn't change his his posture. He changed his position. And there's a whole lot of people that there's a lesson in that alone. Listen, God, the problem for many people, the reason why you, your position don't change is, is because your posture is not one of humility and submission. Many times people want to, they just don't understand. I get questions all the time and, and, and people just really don't understand. Well, why, I mean, why won't God just do this? Why won't God bless me in this way? Why won't God do this, that, and other? And it's not that God can't, it's not that God won't, but you have, you, you're not submitted. David was bowed and he stayed bowed. He said, my head would be lifted up, but he wasn't saying that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lift it up, meaning that I got this, I can do this. I, no, 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 no. He was saying that my head's going to be lifted up because God was going to lift me up. The entirety of me, he was going to lift up. And many times we get stuck. You know why? Because we don't wait on God to lift us up. We lift up ourselves in pride and arrogance and all kinds of just strange things, self-centeredness. And I want to share with somebody today who's listening that the kingdom does, of, God, of heaven don't work the same way as the kingdoms of this world. They did no. In this world, up and down have no relation to one another. In this world, if I want to go up, then I got to promote myself. I got to push myself. I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to spur myself forward, so to speak. I got to, I got to make it about me. I have to, I have to, I, I got to sell myself. You know, I got to, I got to put myself out there in some way. Uh, all of these things that are very much rooted in I, me, and my. That's that the work you got to, I got to put my work in. I got to put my time. I got to, I, 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 and more I. But in God's kingdom, up is down and down is up. To go up with God, you got to humble yourself, which means that you actually have to go down. You've got to submit. And a lot of people, you know, don't understand how things work in the kingdom because they bring a worldly mentality with them. And they still haven't gotten past that worldly mentality. They still think according to the world. They still, still pattern their their, their actions and their activities after that of the world. 
And I'm going to tell you something. Whenever you try to bring the world into the church, you're going to have problems. You want to know why? Because God's going to fight against that. The way of the world does not work in the church. This is why you cannot resort. It doesn't matter whether you're looking for revival to happen um, in the church, whether you are looking to see healings, whether you're looking to see signs and miracles and all of these wonderful things. I want to make it plain to you. You got to humble yourself before the almighty God. You cannot just make those things happen. And those things will not happen while you are actively and presently engaging in disobedience and sin, arrogance and pride. It's not going to happen. God doesn't bless mess. And you are not going to be the exception to that. There will be no exceptions. Mess is never going to be blessed by God. And the sooner you and I come to that, settle on that, the easier it will be. God's kingdom works in reverse of the world's kingdom. The world, you put yourself up. And the more you put yourself up and out, the more you can get. Well, it doesn't work that way in God's, in God's kingdom. Uh-uh. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. God does things totally different. Our ways are not his ways and our thoughts are not his thoughts. Many people, you want, you want, you want revival and all, you want, you want the, the healing, you want the blessing and you want all of these different things. Well, let me make it plain to you. Let me show you how you get that. Jesus said this, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. God's kingdom, God's church, hear me now. It only works when God almighty is lifted up. You can't lift up yourself. You can't, you gotta, you gotta let it go. And listen, yes, God has given you talents. He's given you abilities and these things, God, God willing, will be able to be used to, for the benefit of the kingdom. But you need to understand something. God is not impressed with what you can do because he, he the one gave you the ability to do it. So he's not impressed with all that. What impresses God is what you choose to do, a simple act that we choose to do with the ability and talents and gifts that God gives us. That thing that pleases God, that impresses God, so to speak, if we may talk as such, is, is when you choose to bless the creator instead of the creation. Bless God. Keep God first. David, in verse 6 of Psalms 27, said, now shall my head be lifted above my enemies round about me. Therefore, will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. The focus was not on what David was able to do for himself or what he had been given the power or talent or strength or skill to do. No, it wasn't on any of that. The focus was on what God Almighty and only he is able to do. You know why? Because some battles, remember, David was surrounded by the enemy. He was in a tough spot. But God showed David something 
that he's showing us today. Some battles are not yours. You understand what I'm telling you? The battle is the Lord's. Somebody listening to this or who will listen to this, no matter where you are in the world, it's been going all over the place and glory to God for that. No matter when you listen to this and where you are, when you listen to this, it is time to stop trying to succeed on your own strength. Stop trying to take victory and let God hand you victory. Some battles are not yours. And no matter how much you fight, no matter how much you kick and scream and push, the only thing that you're going to do is exhaust your mental capacity. What does that mean, Brother Walker? It means you're going to get stressed out. The more you try to work it out, the more you're going to get stressed out. And it works that way because that's contrary to the path and the way of God. God know you in trouble. And he's offering to help you. So when are you going to let him do it? When are you going to stop trying to help him bless you? He don't need your help. And he didn't ask you for your help. And he's not going to ask you for your help. He's asking you for your loyalty. He's asking you for your obedience. He's asking you to will to purposefully and intentionally sideline and substitute your will for his will. Some of you are in storms. And you are in storms that have lasted way too long. They have been there far longer than they needed to be. But let me tell you why you're still in that storm. Because you're still trying to get out of that storm. See, the storm didn't come to kill you and destroy you. No, it came to make you stronger. It came to teach you some things about God. Show you how to walk with him. Show you how to live in peace with God. But you missed that point somewhere along the line. And your focus and your attention became all about doing what you could to get. I just have to get through this and get out of this. I'm going to share, share. I'm going to tell you something that is so novel. That is so that goes so flies so far, far into the face of what we conventionally thought about problems. But I'm going to say it to you and I hope you can catch it. Learn to enjoy the process. But Brother Walker, are you serious? Yes, I am. And you're hearing it from one who also has learned and is learning because we because this thing here, this is a work in progress. You got to learn that in the midst of hard times, that all things are working together for your good. I'm telling you, the battle's not yours. You got to learn that in the midst of hard times, the trying of your faith is more precious than gold. That there is a good on the other end. Learn to enjoy the process. Is it painful? Yeah. Is it annoying? Yeah, probably. At times it, it really is. Then how can I focus? How can I learn to enjoy it? Get your eyes off of what? it presently looks like and get your eyes on what it will look like 
because God Almighty, if you are obedient to that word, he has spoken favor to you. Now, understand what I said. Now, if you live in foul and you're doing the wrong thing, this don't apply to you. You just got what you got. So I'm not going to give you, you candy land and rainbows. You don't get none of that. You need to straighten up and do right. Start obeying that word. And then you'll start, and you'll start seeing the benefits of the word manifest in your life instead of the curses. Some of you, you keep getting all the bad stuff because you won't do right. You got to stop. God is not playing. Listen, he ain't playing with nobody. You don't find one scripture in the Bible where God is playing games. So what does that mean? It means God doesn't play games. So the sooner you stop playing games with God, the sooner you'll stop losing because you lose him because he don't play. Do you hear what I'm telling you? He's not playing the game. You are literally playing it by yourself, and that is why you are losing. There is no one to win against. God does not play games. So let all of that stuff go. The battle is it's not yours. The fight's not yours. It's the Lord. Second Chronicles 20 and 15 says this, and he said, hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. And thou, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid or nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Look at 1 Samuel 17, 47. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Man, I, I don't. I hope you're hearing it. Maybe you didn't. Look at Zechariah 4 and 6. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord hosts. Glory to God. Glory to God. Are you hearing Acts 16 and 31? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. No, you can't save yourself. You can't hook yourself up. You can't deliver yourself. But I know a God who sits high and looks low, who can do all that and then some. Stop trying to help him. Learn from your predecessors. Did not Abraham teach you this lesson? Did he not illustrate this to you and me? That when God determines to bless you or to do a thing, you can't do something to bring about the blessing of God. It's going to go the way he said it's going to go, regardless of what you do. The only thing you're going to do is create additional problems. Abraham, I'm going to bless you with an heir. I'm going to bless you with the son. Really? I'm old. His wife, going right along with, really? Am I going to have joy? Am I, am I, gonna, am I really going to have all this? Well, you know what? Well, we know God is good and God is true. But maybe this is our cue to help God. Abraham, why don't you go to my handmaiden? And you know what? It may be that God is going to bless us. That God didn't tell them to do none of that. From that came Ishmael and they ain't had problems ever since. Learn the lesson. Don't, don't, don't make God have to teach you the same thing over and over. It's not necessary. 
This is ready-made knowledge. This is ready for you to grab and consume and use it and learn from it. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's already been invented. It's already circled. You don't need to go start trying to do it all over again. Go get you a rock and start chiseling it out and go through all the shapes. Well, I'm going to start with a triangle. Now I'm going to start with a trapezoid. Now, Come on. It's already been done for you. God has already worked it out. He's already given you examples to show you that if you try to work it out, it's not going to work out. Don't make God have to tell you twice. Learn from that. A, a lifted head. Bowing is also a sign of worship. We know it's a sign of humility. We know it's a sign uh, uh, of, 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 of submission. We know it can be a sign of shame. We know that it can be a sign of sorrow, but it is also a sign of worship. And you see that in Exodus 4 and 31. You're going to see it again in 2 Chronicles 20 and 18. And you'll also see another example of it in Psalms 95 and 6. Amen. Amen. I love how, as we're talking about the book of Psalms, how many of the scriptures that we can use to build on certain points or to illustrate certain things also come from other Psalms. Amen. The word supports the word. Amen. Amen. And, and you get to see that. That's why there are so many instances where you'll see uh, me quote or bring in another Psalm to prove a point about an existing psalm. Amen. And it's not just the psalms, but all of God's word is like that. Listen, the Bible proves the Bible. Do you hear what I'm telling you? And people don't prove the Bible. God proves the Bible. Amen. 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 A, a lifted head was a sign of confidence in the face of, en of the enemy. Okay. Deuteronomy 21 says this, when thou goest out to battle against thine enemy and seest horses and chariots and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them. Look at, look at God just breaking it down. <laughs> when you see everything and, and you overwhelm, he said, don't be afraid. He said, be not afraid of them for the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. See, a lifted up Head is a sign of confidence in the face of the enemy. But a head lifted above the enemy. Notice the difference. A lifted up head is a sign of confidence in the face of the enemy. But a head that is lifted above the enemy is more than a sign of confidence. It is a place of divine exaltation, and it is a place beyond the reach of the enemy. Make sure you know that, because those are two different things. It is, it's a place we reach only when God places us up higher. And where does he place us? He places us on the rock, okay? A place on the rock is an elevated position. So we talked about these things, okay? Okay. When, when, and, 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 and so it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing because at the end of the day, 
when you when God places you on that rock and now your head is above the enemy. I told you your position changes, but your posture doesn't. The position changes because I'm now on at an elevated I'm at an elevated location. But my posture, that of submission and reverence and worship, that don't change. My head's still bowed. It's just that I'm sitting up higher. So even though my head is bowed, do, do, do you get what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm, I'm bowing in reverence to my God. Yet at the same time, I'm exalted over my enemy. And so because my head is still down, although I am all the way higher now, why? Because I've been placed on the rock. When I look down on that person, I'm not looking down in defeat and I'm not looking down in sorrow. And I'm certainly not looking down in shame. Oh, no, I'm looking down. But I'm now looking down because I'm up higher. I'm looking down on my troubles. You're looking down on your past. You're looking down on your shortcomings. You're looking down on your faults. You're looking down on your failures. You're looking down on your addictions. You are looking down on your temptations. Because now that you have been lifted up above all of that. No, no, I don't, I don't have the look of someone who lost. No, 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 no. I might be looking down, but when you see my face, man, that's the look of a champion. When I see your face, that's the look of a champion who just received victory from the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we are standing over a defeated foe. Amen. Amen. And it's, these are things that you need to know. These are things that you need to know. And now, 27.6, shall my head be lifted above my enemies, round about me. Therefore, will I offer in its tabernacle sacrifice of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Amen. Amen. The implications of verse 6 is that David, during the time of trouble, has been secured by the Lord. Family, he's been secured within his tabernacle or the tent of the Lord. Okay. And the way God did this for David was by setting him on a rock. And the rock we learn is higher. The height of it is greater than that of the enemy. So it's higher than the enemy. Being set on the rock by default placed David at a higher elevation. So that placed him beyond the enemy's reach. When God puts us on the rock, it puts us beyond the enemy's reach. And then while on the rock, the elevation of David's head changed because he's now up higher, but the posture okay, of his head remained the same. His position changed, but his posture stayed the same, that of bowing in reverence and submission and in worship. Amen. Amen. And because of this, he offered sacrifices of, of joy and, 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 and he began to sing. Amen. Therefore, will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I'm going to give you something. Worship, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give. He said, because of this, I'm going to give you something. Sacrifices of joy now that's interesting because sacrifices means the act of killing an animal as an act of worship or it means restitution or an atonement in regards to 
a deity. Now, what this actually means for us is when he says, therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. Now, a sacrifice, I just told you, meant the act of killing an animal or an act of worship, okay? So killing something. So in other words, a sacrifice is something that's going to cost something. You hear what I'm telling you? He says, I, because I've been lifted up, I've been placed at a higher elevation, and now I'm above my enemies. I'm out of the reach of my problem. They, they can't touch me now. They can't get to me now. He says, but because of that, I, I'm going to offer sacrifices of joy. And that word sacrifices carries the implication of killing something. So in other words, obviously, if you think of something killing, you, you, you're going, some things are going to come to mind, some perhaps pain, obviously, some suffering. In other words, not feeling good, okay? You know, that, 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 that is not a good feeling. The feeling of dying and all that other kind of stuff and so on and so forth. That don't, that don't feel good. You can talk to anybody who, 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 who had so, a, a near-death experience. In other words, they had a close call with death. And they, and, and they knew they was on their way out. There ain't none of them going to tell you that that felt good. No, nah, none of that feels good. None of that feels good. But the point of this is, is that he's offering a sacrifice of joy. And a sacrifice, the nature of a sacrifice is that it costs something. Keep that in mind. The nature of a sacrifice is that a true sacrifice costs something. In order to sacrifice something, something has to be given up in its place. Some, that, that's the point. That's the nature of a sacrifice. And when he tells you that I'm going to offer sacrifices of joy, amen, amen. That means that the joy or what that actually was implying was, was that this is that the sacrifices of joy, okay? And that joy means to, to, to that joy, in case you didn't know this, it means a loud, joyful utterance. It means it's a war cry. It's, a, it's, a, it's an alarm for war or a signal for war, okay? It is, it is also a, a shout of exaltation and it's a shout of rejoicing. So when he talks about joy, what he's talking about is, is, is shouting the battle cry of the Lord, shouting that my God is able, shouting that my God is a deliverer, shouting that God is God in him alone and there ain't nobody else. It's shouting that I'm going to make it. It's shouting that God will deliver me. The sacrifices of joy, what David was telling you simply was, is that I'm going to give God praise and thanks when I don't feel like it. It's going to cost me something. See, when I'm in the middle of something, when it's burning down around me, the world, so it seems. To give God a sacrifice of joy means that I'm going to have to what? Push past the way that I feel. I'm going to have to push past the way that I see it and the way that I interpret it. And I am going to have to give God a sacrifice in spite of the fact that I might not feel like saying anything. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And why would you push through? Why would you do this? Well, because of what David said. I've been placed on the rock. <laughs> now shall my head be lifted above 
my enemies. I hope you're hearing it this morning. Oh, it's good this morning. If you ain't having a good time, that's all right. I know I'm having a good time with it. My head has been placed above my enemies. So yeah, I got something that's worth, I got some joy on the inside that it might be a sacrifice for me to give. I might have to push past some things to give, but you know what? My God has been good to me and I am going to tell him thank you. I don't need nobody else to tell him thank you for me. I'm going to get that one done by myself because I'm not going to let rocks cry out for me. No, no, sir. No, sir. So I will give a sacrifice. I'm telling God, thank you, family. Sometimes will not will need to be done when you really don't feel it. It's, you're going to have to do it when at times where you really, you really disappointed. You might even be disappointed at God. But you got to replay the record. You got to check the tape. You got to rewind some things and look at how good God's been good to you. And you got to tell God, thank you. When you don't feel like it. Because he's worthy. I'm a sacrifice. I'm going to give him sacrifices of joy. I'm going to tell him thank you when it hurts me to do so. Not because he's not worthy, but because the situation and the circumstances of life are beating me down so badly to the point where I feel like I can hardly lift up my voice to say anything. And I don't care if your thanksgiving to God never, never rises above that of a whisper because you can't quite muster the strength. Just tell him thank you. Just begin to praise, family. Just begin to praise. Don't do it because you think you're going to get something out of it, but do it because you already got something out of it. I have been redeemed. Amen. That's why you praise. That's why you do it. Not because you're trying to get something out of it, but because you already got something in advance of it. You got deliverance. You got an audience with the most high. Cast your cares upon it. Why? Because he cares for you. And I, am I not going to tell him thank you? When I know the God of heaven and earth don't have to be bothered with me, the word of God says he knows our frame. He knows that we are just dust. And you want to tell me that the God of heaven and earth who does not have to consider me, yet he chooses to. Am I not supposed to tell him thank you? No, no, I'm going to leave that for somebody else. I'm going to say thank you. And I hope that you find in the strength and the encouragement to tell him thank you also, because you need to do that. You need to do that. He said, I'm, I'm going to offer sacrifices of joy. And he says, and I will sing, yay, I will sing praises. Psalms 98.1, oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. For those of you who have 
the Deuterocanical books, Judith 16, 13. I will sing unto the Lord a new song. O Lord, thou art great and glorious, wonderful in strength and invincible. Isaiah 42, 10, sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise from the end of the earth, ye that go down to the sea and all that is therein, the isles and the inhabitants thereof. You're going to sing in praises. He said, I will sing praises unto the Lord. And th that praises simply means to offer praises God using one's voice as an instrument. I'm going to tell God, thank you. And I'm not going to wait for the music to start playing. No, I'm going to bless the Lord on my soul right now. Right now, right now. Jesus, you're worthy. Thank you, Lord for all your mercy and all your compassion and all your second chances. Thank you right now. Some of you are quiet on God's praise because you're timing your praise for the playing of the music. You're waiting for the right conditions. But you got to understand something. The conditions to serve God, the right time is right now. You can't march to the beat of the world. Didn't the three Hebrew boys learn that? Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> talking about, listen, listen here. We're going to play this music. And when you hear this music, you're going to bow down and you're going to worship. So you're going to time what you do to the march to the beat of the world. They say, oh, no, <laughs> we ain't even being careful. We're not even almost going to do that. We are not going to do that at all. When are you going to tell God, thank you? Some of you won't tell God, thank you, because you got it reserved for that time when he turn, when when he fixes that situation that you're in. So as soon as that's done, that's when you're going to say thank you. Some of you got a time to 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 these conditions that you have put in place. But when did you have God on a leash? And when was he bound to do anything for you other than what he obligated himself to do? He never did that. He only is he only does what he's obligated himself to do. And even that has conditions. Because if you're living in sin, it ain't going to apply to you. It ain't going to work for you. Why are you silent on God? And how long do you intend to stay as such? Do you not know if these should hold their peace, the rocks will cry out? You're not hurting God by withholding your praise. But you help yourself when you let it go. God ain't losing no sleep over you not praising him. God's going to get his glory even if he got to raise up stones and rocks to do it. So getting praise and glory, that, that's, that's not the issue for God. The issue is, is why? 
is he not enough for you? When will he and what he's already done be enough? Because the moment he becomes enough, you'll start praising him. Because you'll realize something. That if he doesn't do anything else, he has already done enough. And that alone warrants my praise, my worship, and my adoration. Hopefully that makes, that makes some sense to you. Amen. Amen. Psalms 95, six through nine says this, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the day of provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, prove me, and saw my work. He said, worship. Don't harden your heart in the day when he talks about provocation. He's talking about the day where they, where the children of Israel provoked God to anger because they kept complaining and they wouldn't be thankful and they wouldn't be grateful. And no matter what he did, his, they, he never had a good track record in their eyes. Nothing that he did was ever enough. They always wanted more and more. And all they wanted to do when they didn't get what they wanted was to complain. And God wasn't having none of that trash. Not at all. He wasn't having it with them. And I'm going to tell you something. He's not going to have it with you either. He said they did all this. When they tempted me, which means they tested me and proved me. In other words, they continued to do this stuff all the while. I continued to come through for them over and over and over again. And I will ask you this question. When does God Almighty become enough? Because your greed got you twisted. You want more and more and more and more at the expense of being able to see what you already have. And because you do not see what you want right now, you refuse to give God praise. You hold out on his glory. So how long you'll keep robbing God? And we already know from Malachi, will a man rob God? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. That praise and that glory, how long are you going to hold on to that? That ain't yours. It belonged to, the God, to God Almighty. And he didn't ask you to hold on to it. Yet it's in your possession. And you won't give it to its rightful owner. Last time I checked, that makes me a thief. So how long? I'm going to ask you again. How long are you going to rob God? in the area of praise and worship. Because for as good as God has been to you, 
For you and I to sit there and do nothing, say nothing, you are stealing. I am stealing from God. Matter of fact, and I believe the word tells us, let him that steal, steal no more. Time to stop focusing on what you don't have. Start paying more attention to what you do have and being grateful for that. Don't you hear John 14, 15? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. And then we make our way, family, to Psalms 27. Let's look at verse number seven. Let's look at verse number eight. And we won't get too far in this, and we'll more than likely pick this up um, this next Sunday. Um, but it says this, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. David does something interesting in verse number seven. He starts out with a request to God Almighty. And the request, the first part of that request is for the Lord to hear. His first request to the Lord is a request or part of that request, part of his request is asking God to first and foremost hear okay hearing in this text means to heed so it's it's not just listening okay it's not just listening it is not just allowing audible messages to go through to your audio receptors that's your ears and go, no it's more than that okay so it's more than the, the natural process of taking in sound okay he asked him to hear which means to heed it means to listen yes there's listening ball but it also means to pay close attention to and but not alone not just pay attention but it's to pay attention and respond appropriately or respond as required, or respond in context to what you've heard. So to make that plain, it's not asking someone, have you ever, you, you, and, you, and, and if you're listening to this, you probably can, can identify this. Have you ever um, um, told somebody something, given them some direction? And they didn't hear it, and you and and they, they didn't hear what you said. Now they 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 went through the process of listening, and so technically they they heard on that level, but you can tell that they didn't hear what you said because they went through the motion of listening, right? But their response ended up being something different than what you actually asked them about or asked them to do. Okay. So, so you ask them to do one thing, 
right? And then they did something else. And because of that, you know that what? They didn't hear you. Well, when David says, hear, O Lord, okay? That word there, what he, the, the, that hear, that alone, in that alone, what he's asking is, is, I need you to pay attention to something and I need you to respond accordingly. I need you to respond in a way that addresses the issue at hand. So when he asks him, God, when he says, hear, O Lord, or hear Yahweh, okay? Yahweh, the covenant name of God, okay? That's that name God signs contracts with. Amen, amen, amen. He says, hear, which means I need you to take heed. So I need you to not just hear it, but I need you to respond and not respond any kind of way, but respond appropriately or respond as required by the situation or the circumstance that I'm in. Glory to God. Glory to God. So, God, I need you to hear me. I need you to listen. I need you to know. I need you to understand. I need you to hear and I need you to respond. I, I, I haven't even made my request yet. I haven't gotten all that out, but 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 I'm I just I need to set this up. God, I need you. I'm getting ready to tell you something. And I need you to hear it. And I need you to go beyond the way I say it. I need you to hear it. And I'm looking for you to answer accordingly to that. Brothers and sisters, I think that's all the time we have for today. We will pick this up next week. We'll continue on with verses seven and eight in Psalms 27. This has been a good uh, good lesson. Um, I know we didn't get too far into seven and eight, but that's okay because it's been a while since we visited this topic of Psalms 27. And so this was a good way to kind of bring everybody back up to speed, but we will go forward with this. We're almost done with Psalms 27. It's been a wonderful, wonderful ride. By all means, check out the lesson so that you guys can get up to speed if you've forgotten them and we will go forward. God bless you. Have a tremendous Sunday and we will be here again, Lord willing, next week. Amen. Wow.